Welcome to the Encounter Community Church Podcast, where we take God's Word and look at how we can utilize, practically apply it, and implement it into our lives. Welcome back to another episode of the Encounter Community Church Podcast. My name is Ken Bottle Jr. I'm the pastor here at Encounter Community Church. And again, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for being a part of this podcast. You know, I was thinking about something. I remember back in March, and you may remember this as well, when COVID-19 first hit. Do you remember how many stories of just uplifting stories that were coming out, you know, people, and and again, that, that was at a time where there seemed to be much more unity in our country around this issue but you had stories of people singing on their balconies. Remember those? And doing concerts in their front yard and all these other elements to make people feel good. But then not only that, you had this generosity that was really neat. And, you know, the generosity that you saw is people being willing to give their time, their energy to help those that were in need. And, and then there was also this, this time of gratitude, this gratitude towards first responders, because they were putting their lives on the line. And here's the truth, they still are putting their lives on the line. And those who worked in grocery stores, again, we were so grateful for them because we recognized that they were putting their lives on the line. And here's the truth, they still are putting their lives on the line. But the difference between then and now is, of course, back then, everyone was willing to wear their masks. Now people have gotten masks frustrated, (laughs) which we all have, you know, it it would be great to not have to wear a mask. I mean, it would be great to be at that point again, but you do, you have people coming in stores refusing to wear masks and those who are grocery store workers feeling like their lives are at risk. And and I just want to encourage us to get, let's get back. Let's do what we can to get back to that place once again. Now you may not make the news. You may not make a newspaper you might not even make YouTube, <laughs> but that's not the point of, of doing this. I would love for us to take a step to create a movement. Let's create a movement of gratitude again. And like I said, even if it doesn't make the news, even if it doesn't make whatever social media outlets or posts or whatever, even if it, even if it doesn't go viral, here's what this was motivated by is I was watching a video on Facebook, just right now, there was this little girl who had lost her dad, and I guess there was a photographer that she would watch all the time, and he would actually take pictures of dancers and contortionists, and she is also a dancer, contortionist, a gymnast, and so she would watch his videos all the time, she would look at his pictures all the time, and so she wrote him a letter, just, you know, just saying thank you, and that you inspire me, and everything and he got inspired and reached out to her set up this really cool photo shoot with her practicing social distancing and everything that he gave her he like sprayed it down with alcohol you know kind of thing so he could give it to her because he gave her some merchandise and some really cool some really cool stuff just the happiness that she had and also what he did that was really neat is he called a dancer uh, that he would regularly that he would regularly film 
And he actually put her on a FaceTime. So she was able to FaceTime this little girl. And this little girl was like, oh, can you give me pointers? And she's like, I would love to give you pointers. And so she gave her pointers on some things with being a contortionist and how she can be, do better in those. And, and it was really neat to see the girl picking it up. But the, the, the thing that was really a blessing to me was just to see the sheer joy in this girl's eyes. Just amazing. And it just kind of took me back to that place. Like, just remembering when that people just sincerely just brought joy to others. And I think that there's an element of that spirit that is left, you know, unfortunately. It, it, it's not sensational in a sense that it's a lot of the, you know, stories that surround Karens that are happening right now. And, and Karen, if your name is Karen, I, I, I'm, I feel sorry for you in a sense. Of, and I apologize to you. Like, why did they pick the name Karen? And then I, I heard that the male version is now being called Ken. I was like, what? <laughs> really? Really? Ken? Come on. Really? But if your name is Karen, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, that's just a tough call. Because Karen has now been associated with every woman who is entitled and unruly. And I mean, just all of those other things. So if your name is Karen and you're listening to this, I'm sorry for your name being connected with that. And it's one of those things, like, I remember I had a friend who was born on September 11th, and when people would ask him, like, when is his birthday, he would tell them his birthday, and people would go, oh, I'm so sorry. And he's like, uh, that's not really what I want to hear <laughs> when it regards to my birthday. And so some of you Karens may be feeling like that as well, where you tell someone, my name is Karen, and people go, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that may not necessarily be what it is that you want to hear. So again, if your name is Karen, I apologize for what your name is associated with. But again, I, I want to go back to let's 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 do that. Let's let's be those people. Let's be the people who really work to bring about connection and relationships, and and doing so just to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to those that are around us. Let's love them. Let's serve them. Let's encourage them. Let's be that voice. And I think we can. I, I think we can. And let's and here's a cool thing too. I would even encourage you to post it. Just post it. Why? Not for self-glorification purposes or anything like that. Like, look at me. You know, I'm doing some really great things. No, not not for that. But hopefully, as you post, focus on the people who you're posting for. Focus on the people who you are serving. That I have this opportunity to be able to you know, whatever it is that you do, focus on them in your post. Because it's not about us doing all these great things. But hopefully what we can do is we can, again, create this movement where it just takes people back to that place where they think, you know what, I, I need to go out and I need to do that too. I need to do that too. And that's why we're doing, you know, this series that we're going to be starting next week called Politics and Religion is I just want to get back to that place where it's possible to disagree with someone and be able to still be unified. You know, last week was the Democratic National Convention, and this week is the Republican National Convention, and you already see the arguments happening on Facebook. <laughs> it is on and cracking. So that's why we, 
we're motivated to do this series, Politics and Religion. And again, it's not about issues. It's not going to be to try to convince you to believe a certain way about an issue. Now, we may talk about them, but it's not to get, to get you to believe a certain way about them. But really, what it is to do is to maybe look at how can we just do this differently? How can we relate to one another differently? How can we talk about things differently, especially on social media? Because, man, I've, I've seen some knockdown, drag-out fights on social media and I'll be honest, I've been in some knockdown, dragout fights on social media. And I'm just trying to do it differently. And this series has motivated me. I'm actually reading a book called um, How Not to Be a Jerk. <laughs> and really, it's, it's, a, it's a book specifically on Christian. No, no, it's called Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk. Uh, and it's specifically written towards Christians. And it's just talking about how we can handle this political thing differently. And so I'm, I'm reading the book to prepare for the series, for the, for the messages, and it's been really inspiring to me as well. Challenging, but inspiring. So I hope that you'll join us for that starting this coming Sunday, and I hope that you'll invite some friends to join you starting this coming Sunday also. But with that, I, I just wanted to go back to last week. Uh, we finished our series that we've been doing called Seven. And in this series, what we've been doing is we've been looking at how do we rediscover the faith the way that Jesus Christ would have discovered it. Now, of course, him being God, he already knew it. <laughs> but but there's some elements that we can look at that, that he would have learned that maybe would influence the way that we think about following God as well. And so if you've missed any of this series, I want to encourage you to go back and Check out the live streams, check out the podcasts. Although I do have that one that was missing. And I kind of talked about that when we had the run in with the homeless guy. Uh, you'd have to go back and you'd have to listen to last week's podcast where I talked about that. But with this, I, I just think it's good for us to be able to just take a step back and just look at faith and how do we evaluate faith. And it, it's easy to take faith terms and put them in today's culture. The result of that is sometimes we can take it out of context of what it intended was intended to be. So hopefully over the course of the series, as we looked at some things, like we talked about love, faith, prayer. I mean, we went through breath. We, I mean, we went through quite a few elements. And, and I really hope that it, it revolutionized the way that you live your faith. And, and this week, we talked about a term it appears in the Old Testament 581 times. Again, the, five, the Old Testament being from, from Genesis to Malachi. The first half of the Bible is what is called the Old Testament. But it appeared in that, this, this Hebrew word appeared there 581 times. And the Hebrew word is mayim. Mayim. It actually is literally translated as water. Now that may, be seem, it may seem weird, right? We've talked about concepts like faith and prayer and love and breath and peace but now we're talking about water that seems like a weird one to end on and it, it kind of hit me because there were some other topics I was looking at too that that popped up but you know what it, what it what stood out to me is I started looking at how many times Mayim is used in scripture and when it's connected typically when the Bible talks about water and connection to God is typically connected with God doing something pretty doggone spectacular. Just pretty doggone amazing. 
And when you go through the scriptures and you start to look at water and how many times water has been present when God has done something incredible, it, it's pretty mind-blowing. It, it, it really is. So I, I emphasized some stories last week. So if you want to go back, you can check those out. Check out the live stream. You can hear uh, the stories that I talked about on Sunday. Uh, but, but specifically, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of different stories today that I think, again, just shows what we can learn. And, and that's the beauty of this. When we look at all of these Hebrew terms, it's an opportunity for us to go back and just let's take a look at what can we learn? What can we learn about faith? What can we learn about God? What can we learn about him? What can we learn about ourselves? What can we learn during this time? And that was kind of what stood out to me with Mayim. What can I learn about God? You know, the first time we see that word is in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, where it just talks about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But then it talks about that the earth was formless and empty and that the Holy Spirit was floating, was hovering over the, the waters. And that's the first time that we see Mayim. And right there, it just sets the tone. God's about to do something incredible, and you have the creation experience of the creation account. But there are also so many other times in Scripture where you see water connected with something that's pretty amazing. There was this guy named Gideon. You may be familiar with this story. But what happens is there is an opposing army that's about to come in and take over their land. Gideon is one of those guys where he's just the last guy that, that would ever be chosen to do that. There's, there's a guy named Muggsy Bogues who played in the NBA. And what was pretty amazing about this guy is he was 5'7". There's also another guy named Spud Webb who played in the NBA. He was 5'4". The reason why I bring those out or I say those because they're anomalies, right? When, when you look at the NBA, you expect someone to be like 6'8", 6'9", 7'11". Well, no, that'd be almost 8 feet, but... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just like to say the term 7-Eleven. Maybe I just need to go get a slushy. <laughs> right? But 7-1, I should say. But we look at people that are really tall. We don't think about people that are shorter than me. I'm 5'10 and a half. You notice I threw that half in. My goal when I was a kid is I wanted to be six feet tall. And I didn't quite make it there. So I would hold on to the 5'10 and a half some things that I was 5'11", I'm holding on to those too. <laughs> because I, my dream as a kid was I just wanted to be six feet tall and I just got so doggone close, but not close enough. But here are guys that are shorter than me that you would think there's no way. And they, and they were told that. There's no way that you're going to make it to the, to the NBA. And they did. Spud Webb even won a dunk, slam dunk contest. I mean, that's, so you imagine this, five foot four guy able to dunk on a 10 foot rim. I mean, you talk about someone with hops, someone who could jump, that's pretty, pretty amazing. But so he, Gideon is one of those guys. Gideon is one of those guys. Matter of fact, an angel appeared to him and what, it, what Gideon was doing is he was trying to hide his wheat from this army that was invading. And it says that he was, he was putting his wheat into a wine press. Now here's the thing that's really interesting. What do you usually put in a wine press? It ain't wheat, but it was one way that he can he can hide it. So he puts his, so he's starting to put it there, and all of a sudden an angel appears to him and says, "Hello, Gideon, mighty warrior." And have you ever had someone talk to you in a positive way that you're like, "What? Are you, are you talking to me? No, 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 you, you don't mean me." And Gideon's like, 
there's no way because the angel tells Gideon that God has chosen him to actually deliver Israel from this incredible enemy. And he's thinking, there's no way God would choose me because my tribe is the last tribe of Israel. And then my clan is the least of that tribe. And then my family is the least of my clan. And I am the least of my family. So literally, Gideon is saying, I'm, I'm the last one. I'm the last one that God would ever, would ever choose. But Gideon says, God says, Gideon, I've chosen you. And so Gideon says, all right, okay, if you've chosen me, here's the idea. I want, I'm going to do a test. And he just gives two different tests. And one test, he puts this, what's called a fleece out. And he puts it on the ground and he says, okay, look, if the ground is wet and the fleece is dry, then I'll believe you. And so what happens is it happens that way. So then Gideon says, wait, wait, wait a minute. Okay, I just want to make sure. So if, so we'll do it reverse. If the ground is dry and the fleece is wet, then I know that you've chosen me. And he wakes up the next morning and boom, it's that way. So again, here's an, another example of God using water to prove who he is, that he is about to do something amazing. Amazing. And he does. He eventually, Gideon eventually confirms it. And then they actually win this war against overwhelming odds. But he's chosen to do it. He's chosen to do it. Last one ever. Then there's another example of a guy named Elijah. Elijah is having this contest with these prophets of a false god. And so he says to the prophets of a false god, he's like, hey, okay, here's the deal. Here's what we'll do. Is we'll have a contest. It's basically a god-off to see who is the best god. My god against your god. It's almost like a dance-off, right? <laughs> you come, you do your best pop-lock dance moves, your grooves, your hip-hop, you crump, you do your thing. You know, you do your thing. Sorry, that was really bad, bad boxing. But, but you, like, you do your thing. <laughs> they, do, they do that with God. Let's have a god-off to see which one is true. And so basically what they do is they build this altar and then with this altar, uh, they put a sacrifice on it. And they say, whoever gods burn up the meat, then that obviously is the true God. So then the guys that are worshiping the other God, they go first and they do their thing. They do their thing. They do their thing. They do their thing. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And Elijah even taunts them. He says things like, hey, dude, uh, fellows, uh, maybe your God is just incapacitated at the moment because he is using the restroom, <laughs> right? Uh, yes, that's the trash talk that Elijah was throwing out against them. Like he was, he was going for it, man. He's doing some trash talking and they went on for hours. Nothing happened. So then Elijah sets up his altar. He makes a sacrifice and he gets it ready. But then here's what he does is he has them to go get water to put, to put it around the sacrifice. He digs, a, he digs a hole and basically creates a moat. And so he has to fill it. And then he has them bring more water. Okay, bring more water. Okay, bring more water. Okay, bring more water. And it says eventually there was so much water that every element, every thing was completely soaked. And then Elijah prays. All of a sudden the scripture says a fire from heaven comes down and laps up all the water and burns the sacrifice. 
and so with this, I mean, here are a couple of lessons that we learned just in looking at those two things. Like, for example, when we look at it, you are chosen by God. Like, you have been called by God to make a difference in your life, whether you believe it or not. And the beauty of this is basically in looking at what God does through Gideon's life, we can also learn this, that it's okay. Like, like God, I don't know if I, you might believe that I'm the one, but I don't know if I believe that I'm the one. So God, is it okay if I ask for proof? And you know what? God's not offended by that. And sometimes he will answer that. You know, when I started a church, that's what I asked God to do. I said, God, I don't know if I'm, if I'm the one to do this. So God, I need you to give me proof. And he did. I gave some very specific things that I needed God to do. Those specific things were financially our church was in trouble at that point, the church I was a part of. So I said, God, I need to just make sure that we're okay financially. The second thing was my pastor needs to agree with it. Those were the things. Boom, boom. It just completely opened up. Here I am now. I started Impact and then Impact merged with Crenshaw and we started Encounter and here I am right now. There are times where you might need to pray like, God, if, if this is what you've really called me to do, I, I need you to show it to me. I need you to confirm it. Uh, with Elijah, we learn that God is capable of the impossible. There's also a story of a, a guy named Naaman. And, and basically what happens with Naaman is he's this incredible leader, warrior, and he serves the king of Aram. And he's just awesome. But the thing is, he has leprosy. They eventually take over Israel. Well, they get into battle with Israel kind of thing. And they have a servant. He has a servant girl. The servant girl, servant girl says, hey, you know what? You should go see Elisha from my country. I think he can heal you. The guy's like, well, okay, I guess I'll go. So approaches the king. The king says, yes. And then when the guy goes, he takes like gold, silver. He takes all these gifts with him. And it was almost like, I don't know if his plan was to bribe Elisha to do it for him, but he definitely wanted some things to be done. And, that, and maybe that was a way, you know, that was the way back then that you just showed your gratitude kind of thing. So he shows up, a letter is sent to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel gets it, and he freaks out. He just freaks out like, oh my gosh, we're not going to be able to heal this, heal this guy, and then he's going to come, he's going to be frustrated, and their country's going to invade our country. So the king starts to openly mourn. And then Elisha hears about it. And Elisha's like, dude, chill out. God's in control. Don't worry about it. There won't be a big war. God's going to take care of it. So this guy shows up at Elijah's place. Elisha's place, I'm sorry. At Elisha, because there's two different properties. There's Elijah and there's an Elisha. But he shows up at Elisha's place. What's really interesting is Elisha never comes out. He never comes out to meet the guy. He actually sends one of his servants to the guy and says to the guy, hey, go to the Jordan River, dip yourself seven times, you'll be healed. And the guy's like, wait, 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 wait. Bro, Elisha, don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? And you don't come out to meet me? You don't even come. You don't even come out to wreck. Like he was used to kings coming to him and having those. 
officials coming to him. Like he was, he was a guy that was represented well. He was in this position of authority, this leadership position, and you can't even come out. So he was a, he was upset by that, and then b. Hey, aren't there better rivers in my own land? Why would I want to go in the Jordan River? I, I could just, I could, I'll, I'll go to one of the rivers in my own land. Like, who are you to tell me that I need to go and wash myself in the land in this in the river in this land? Like, like there's there's no way. And one of his servants challenged him. His servant says, "Well, what if the prophet asked you to do something even more impossible? Would you do it?" And Naaman was like, "Yeah, I guess so." So he heads over to the Jordan River, and he goes under once. Goes under twice, does it, and on the seventh time when he comes up, he's completely healed of leprosy, completely healed. Matter of fact, the Bible says, the description the Bible gives is that his skin was as smooth as that of a baby. Just think about how awesome that is. Again, but here's the lesson that we learn from that, is in, in order for... Naaman to experience something incredible, he had to humble himself. But the presence of water, and it's interesting because, and he was like, well, couldn't Elisha have come back, come out and just say, dude, you're healed and healed me? Couldn't he have done that? And the answer to that question is, is yes. But there was, there was something that was needed to be learned in this moment. And that thing I think was humility. And the amazing thing was once he came up out of the water and his skin was completely cleansed, he said to, he went back to Elisha and he said, praise God, your God is the only God that is real. And he began to worship God. And from that point forward, he was a follower of God. So again, just an amazing account. So I would encourage you to do that. Begin to go through and just look at how many times you see water in scripture. You know, you got Jesus walking on water, right? There's that, there's that, there's that story where Jesus is walking on water and the disciples see him on the water. It's a little bit stormy outside, so they're freaking out because they think it's a ghost. They begin to yell, it's a ghost. And Jesus says, no, it's me. And Peter's like, well, dude, if, it, if that's you, tell me to come out on the water. And Jesus says, it's me. Well, like, come on. And Peter gets out of the boat. Well, A, you weren't sure if it was him. B, it kind of sounds like Jesus, but but Jesus is walking on water. You don't know what you're stepping out into, but you know what Peter does is he steps out of the boat. And when he steps out of the boat, he takes his first few steps, and he is literally walking on the water with Jesus. But then the scripture says he begins to pay attention to the winds around him and the waves that is around him, and he begins to sink so there's that story now that we, when we look at it, when we follow Jesus and we keep our eyes on him, we are capable of far more than we could ever imagine. However, if we take our eyes off of Jesus and we begin to pay attention to the circumstances around us, the difficulties that are around us, the hardships that are around us, the impossibilities that are around us, then just like Peter, we too will begin to sink. But the beauty of that is Peter cries out, Lord, save me, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches over and he grabs Peter's hand and he pulls him up out of the water and then they both walk back to the water together in the boat. We also learn that, you know, from that is that when you struggle, that God will love you and he will rescue you. Now, your rescue may be different than that of Peter. The way that things work out may be different than what you expected. Naaman expected something differently 
and his healing went completely in an unorthodox way than what he had expected. And as a result of that, when he saw God work, he trusted God. So we can begin to look at just the water and the examples of water that we see so many times in scripture and just start to dig in and think, what can we learn from that? I've even thought about like, should I do a series on water? I don't know if I call it H2O or water slide or, you know, take a dip. (laughs) I'm not sure um, what I would call the series, but it might be a fun series to kind of dig into in the future where you see the presence of water because God is about to do something amazing. And in the scriptures, it also gives us an encouragement when it comes to water. The scriptures talk about a practice called baptism. And basically what baptism is, is you have like a, you have like a pool of water or a tub of water, and then someone is with you. And this is the same thing that Jesus went through. He actually did this in the Jordan River as well. He was baptized also. So Jesus does. Jesus gets baptized as well by his cousin John in the, in the Jordan River. And it launches the beginning of his ministry. So you go back and you look at the life of Jesus and, and life of Jesus, and you see the presence of water so many times. So basically what happens is when you are baptized, is you usually have someone that holds you, and then they take you underneath the water, and, and they'll pull you right back up. You know, I've never been guilty of holding anyone down <laughs> under the water. It's called a baptism and not a drowning. So never done that. So you take them under the water, you bring them right back up. Now, I have been asked to hold people down a little bit longer to make sure the baptism takes. <laughs> no, 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 just kidding, just kidding. But again, it, it's an opportunity to, when you go under the water, it just represents you dying to your old life and rising to your new life. When you go under the water, the water is also symbolic. So the water symbolizes the tomb of Jesus Christ. And so it represents you being identified with the death of Jesus Christ when you go under the water and the resurrection of Jesus Christ when you come up out of the water. So that's why at Encounter, when we do baptisms, we do full-on immersion. Like we, we put you under, under the water, we bring you out. Some churches do baptism by sprinkling. And if that's how they want to do it, praise God. You know, do it the way that you feel like God's called you to do it. We just feel like, and we do it by immersion because we just feel like it gives you the best picture of what it means to die to your old life, rise to your new life, be identified with the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I would encourage you, even if you've been baptized by sprinkling, maybe consider getting rebaptized again and doing it that way so that you can have the experience that Jesus Christ would have experienced it. But completely up to you. And again, no judgment of other churches. That's such a minor issue. I, I just encourage you to seriously consider, like if you've never been baptized before, to consider that. Now, I would love to be able to do baptisms right now, but unfortunately, because of COVID-19, we're just not at a place that we can. But I would encourage you to maybe consider that once the things start to change. And, you know, my wife and I were talking about it, and it would be cool, like, if somebody had a pool. And I sound like Dr. Seuss. It would be cool if everybody had a pool or someone had a pool. I don't know. But for us to be able to do a baptism there, we have a little baptism tub, I guess, for lack of better terms, that we've created here at Encounter that we've done baptisms out of that. So it's kind of cool to be able to use that. But it'd be kind of cool to do one outdoors. So I've even thought about maybe doing something at the beach. It'd be kind of fun to do a baptism there too. But we'll, you know, we'll see. Uh, when COVID-19 ends and we're able to start to meet once again in person, we'll, we'll see how that goes. 
We'll see how that goes. But I, I would encourage you because, again, the presence of water means that God is about to do something really powerful and incredible in your life. In your life. So just think about that. Maybe do your own study and begin to go through. Just go to BibleGateway.com and just put the word water in the search engine of that website. And then just begin to read through all of the accounts in Scripture where water is present. And just see how many of those are connected with God doing powerful miracles. And also just, just to see what, what can I learn from that? How can my life be different because of what it is that I see? How can my life be different because of what it is that I see? Well, again, thank you so much. I really do hope that this series has been one that has inspired you, that has been one that has challenged you, that has been one that has encouraged you, that has been one that has uplifted you. I, I pray that it's, it's done all of those things. I really do. I, I pray that it's given you a new perspective when it comes to faith and what it really means to follow God and love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. What does it mean to love him that way? I really do hope that this series has inspired you to love God more, to recognize he is the author of life. And with every breath, we are so thankful to him. To realize when we see water that it could symbolize that God is about to do something incredible and powerful. And so we worship him and we thank him because of that. We look at our faith and we look at what it means to believe in him and we begin to realize that faith is is not dependent upon my circumstances. As a matter of fact, my faith supersedes my circumstances because God can still and is still capable of doing something incredible. And then prayer. When I look at prayer, I see prayer as something, as an opportunity for me to be in deep connection and communion, constant communication with God. That is not something that I just throw out with rote memory, but I just began to just talk with him. I maybe have scheduled times of prayer, but I also have times where I'm just kind of hanging out and just talking to God. Maybe I'm at work and I see something that pops up on a notification for a news break. So then I pray for that or I pray for, you know, it's just an opportunity just to kind of stay in constant contact with him and to really build communion and a deep relationship with him. Love. When we look at love, let's make sure that we are loving the way that God has called us to love. That love is not conditional and is not based upon emotion and is not, it's, it's so much bigger than that. It's so much bigger than that. And that the focus of the love that God has for us is how do I love you so that it makes your life better? It's a self-sacrificing kind of love. It's a, I would take it even deeper than that. It is a selfless love because for it to be self-sacrificing means that you are aware of the sacrifice that you're making. But if it's selfless, you have no focus on yourself at all. That's the kind of love that God has for us. So these are the kind of things that we've talked about over the course of this series. And, and I'll tell you, that has really challenged me to look at my own faith and what does it look like for me to live for God. It's really challenged me in that way. And I really hope that it does for you as well. Well, again, thank you so much. And, and I really do hope that you are able to join us this coming Sunday as we kick off the new series, Politics and Religion. And my prayer is, is that this series will just motivate us to just do politicking differently and to love differently. That it will, will, you'll reach a place where we speak from a point of humility. That we will listen more than we speak. That we'll ask questions more than we declare. That we'll examine like our connection to party lines and 
to ask ourselves if I'm willing to align myself with the party line, even if it contradicts my faith. I mean, those are some of the questions that we're going to dig into. Social media, we're going to talk about social media, just to make sure that we handle ourselves well on it, because thou shalt not be a jerk, <laughs> right? Right? Thou shalt not. So we're digging into that for this series, and so I really do. I really do hope that you'll join us for it. So again, remember, encounter is about three things. Oh, and let me touch, uh, touch base on this real quickly. Some people have been asking, when are we looking at starting to meet once again? Here's what I'm thinking. I know for the schools, the way that they're doing it, they will not start in-person instruction until they see a 14-day decline. Like it consistently, the numbers consistently decline for 14 days then that's what, they will that's what they will consider meeting in person once again. So I think I'm going to do that same thing for Encounter, is when I see the decline and it is consistent, then that's when I will look at us meeting once again. And also when the heat changes, because honestly right now it's too hot to be meeting outside. <laughs> if you don't have an air conditioner, man, it's hot outside. Um, so we'll be looking at when the temperature changes and when those numbers change then that's when we'll begin to look at meeting once again. So thank you so much for those of you that support Encounter, that pray for us, you know, that you've been watching our live streams and hopefully you've been encouraged by the things you've seen there. So thank you so much. And again, just a reminder, Encounter is about three things. Love up, love out, love in. Love up. What is one way that you can love God better this week? Just look at your life and just examine or maybe you can change the way that you pray. Maybe you can begin to look at your faith. Maybe, how can you love God more this week than you did last week? Love out. What is something that you could do to show love to your fellow man, to those around you? You know, I talked about being good news. Let's bring good news to others. Let's uplift the lives of others. And love in. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. And again, this is motivated by Jesus Christ saying in Mark 12, 13, 31, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So let's be people who will do just that. Well, take care. God bless you. And we'll see you once again next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Encounter Community Church podcast. Please take a moment to head over to whatever source you're listening to for the podcast to rate and review us. And also, if there are things that we can do well, please feel free to reach out and let us know what those are. If you'd like to continue to support Encounter and our efforts to make a difference in our community, then feel free to head over to our website, encountercommunity.church. Click the link that says online giving and feel free to make a donation that will allow us to be able to make a difference in our community and also to be able to do podcasts and those kind of things such as this. And please subscribe today to our YouTube channel. Make sure you click the little bell for notification. That way when we post new things, you'll be notified of that. Same thing as well on our Facebook page. Head over to that and feel free to like us there. That way when we post new podcasts, new events, those elements, you will also know about those as well. Well, again, thank you so much. God bless you and have a great day.